The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This is this is Debo Samuel. You're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com and now I must say by underdog.com where you can go to underdogfantasy.com, use promo code ROSTER for a deposit bonus and match uh, there up to $100. Get into some of these best ball uh, tournaments with us, some of these best ball leagues, and of course, one of the things you're going to be doing in these best ball leagues is getting the jump on these rookies. Who better to bring on during this time of year, pre-draft, than just one of the all-time goats, man. A, a guy who I've known ever since I started doing this stuff and a guy that's been around doing it uh, for even even before we were at the Senior Bowls and uh, the Combines and all the rest. He is Matt Waldman. You can find him on Twitter. I, I didn't even ask you, but I, I think it's Matt Waldman, RSP, on just, Twitter. Just the, Matt Waldman, yeah. Oh, at, oh at, at Matt Waldman on Twitter and at MattWaldman.com. He is the he's the – he is the uh, publisher, the proprietor, the uh, the man behind the man behind the man behind the rookie scouting portfolio. Waldman, so good to have you, brother. Hey, Alex, it's always great to be having a conversation with you about rookies and get a chance to chop, you know, chop it up like we do. Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I have so much, so 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 much that I want to get to here with you. So I guess if it's okay, maybe if we could start out at wide receiver and talk about some of these guys. I don't want to talk some running backs with you. Is that, you know that's sort of our main focus right now. And the first question that I've, I'd, I would just like to ask you, when you look at the Ohio State guys, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, do you have a lean as far as the prospect that you like better? And what is it about each of those guys' game that, that stands out to you? Yeah, they're both a lot of fun to watch, and they're both guys that I think have bright futures in the NFL. But Chris Olave is my top receiver on the board, and I'm a big fan of Olave. I think that he's he's such a smooth route runner, and the things that I love about his game is just that he's slightly more refined in the aspects of the game 
in terms of route running releases and tracking the football in a way where I think Garrett Wilson is spectacular and has that high upside because he makes amazing plays, but it's more amazing demonstrations of athletic ability that I think Olave is not as far away from Wilson as people realize. And, but he's a little more advanced. Whereas with Wilson, what I love about him is that he can make the tough catch, but some of the techniques that he uses to catch the ball in terms of, you know, clapping his hands onto the ball, things that you see maybe a Cortland Sutton do where he drops the ball at times um, early in his career because he would put his hands together and try and catch it that way, um, you know, rather than meeting his hands together at the catch point on the ball where it's just going to ensure it. That's a little more difficult to clap on the ball and succeed in the NFL with the toughest catches that he makes right now against the Michigans of the world. But when he's facing, you know, Buffalo or Kansas city or, or, um, you know, some of the top corners that he's going to see, you know, that's where I'm worried about him a little bit and patient corners who are physical with him tend to wrap him up more than Olave. So Olave to me is a, an excellent tracker of the football who does a great job of being able to not only determine when he has to go up for the ball, but he can wait and do some advanced tracking where he can he can look at two defenders converging on him and go, if I wait a beat later, it may be a little more difficult catch, but I can make that type of a move. So for me, they're both very they're both in the higher ends of my board, but it's just that with Wilson, I see that plus the Marquise Lee factor where Marquise Lee was a very good prospect, but he was the type of player that he he trusted his athletic ability so much that he would be willing to lose three yards on a play that he was hoping to gain 70 on when he for basically forsake or forsook like an easy five-yard game. Like he, he has the ball, turns upfield, wide open area in front of him, but he sees a defender that he's going to have to drop the pads on or get under and instead, he'll bounce it into into um, you know leverage that's favorable to the defense and lose yardage on a play where all he needed was five yards and he was going to get seven, but he wants to go for the seventy yard gain. And it's like those things with Wilson, I'd just like to see him get a little better at. But he's in my top five easily. He's a terrific young player. I you know the refinement is just more in favor of a lobby. The gear and it's so funny. So first off. Um, you and I have never had the same wide receiver one since I've been doing this. You're always, you're sometimes a little bit off the board, and that's why I love. That's why I love <laughs> so you're like the uh, what's it, like the Yanni of uh, of this. You know how Yanni they said like he he wouldn't listen to any music. You know he just he, he wouldn't listen to music because he didn't want it to influence his own music he wanted to be completely original i feel like you're sort of a yanni of uh of this of this draft evaluation where you just come from a you know you don't hear any of the same you don't hear any of the same kind of hive mind stuff for matt waldman whenever he comes out of the basement with his rsp it's like you've been down there grinding and out this is the first time that you and i have been like chris olave is my wide receiver one as nice as well. and it, it's it, it took me a long it, it's it's been a long winding road to get there but a lot of the things that you talked about i mean it when when it when it just came down to it i just i i said to myself how how many ways is, is this guy going to make me look dumb for for having him as my wide receiver one he's the most he's the most polished wide receiver in the class he's the all-time touchdown scoring leader as far as re receiving touchdowns in ohio state history um it, you know he and then he goes in there and he 
you know, he, he runs the four three nine in the 40. He has absolutely elite body control and field awareness. He's already a complete route runner. He's already re- like, he's already ready to go. And people talk about, well, Garrett Wilson's younger. Then you look at it, you look at their birth dates. It's like, they're only three months apart as far as their age. Chris Olave is young for his grade. Garrett Wilson's old for his grade. Right. So it didn't like you're really gaining too much there. Um, but so Olave, I'm 100 percent on board with you there. I think it's really cool that it's 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 really cool that he, that he's your wide receiver one. With Garrett Wilson, though, you mentioned his hands, and I did notice that PFF had him. Um, whenever I whenever I watched him and I saw the way that he, you know you talked about the hands catches and the and the and the clapping and stuff, um, I it kind of reminded me a little bit about how Odell Beckham looked whenever he was coming out the way that he would, the way that he would just always, it seemed like he would always, even if he didn't need to, would, would go out for the, the, the hands catches extend from the body with the hands catches and stuff. You look at PFF that caused Garrett Wilson six, six drops this year. Can you just say a little bit more about what you were saying about his hand positioning? Because I, I think a lot of people will look at him and say that he's uh, me as well. I look at him and I say, well, he looks like he's kind of a natural hands catcher. At least it feels like he has strong hands. What is it about? Um, is it just the kind of like? Can you just explain why you don't necessarily like his 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 technique when it comes to actually catching the football? Sure, because it's great to extend to the earliest point to catch the ball. That's ideal. You want that most often, except in certain route target situations where maybe you need to bring it, allow it into you because you have defenders converging on you in a certain situation where maybe it's more at the belt line. But the it's the basic rule with wide receiver coaching, which is when the ball is a, basically above the waistline, you'd like to attack it outward with your thumbs together, your fingertips together, and your and your hands. When you reach out, your hands are already together with the finger, the the index finger and the thumbs meeting together in kind of like a diamond or a triangle. And so when you're meeting that ball, your fingertips touch, catch that ball. And you have, when the ball's spinning at the RPMs, it is. When you have 10 points of pressure hitting the ball with the level of nuance and control that human engineering allows for, (laughs) you stop that spin very quickly. And if, if it bounces off any of them, it actually, the spin is a slower spin. So you get a softer tip and that means the ball is kind of a softer bounce that you can catch. If it hits the palm of your hand, think of just throw a football against the wall mm-hmm. and watch it like bounce off wildly and violently. It's because it's hitting a one surface that doesn't have that control to stop the spin. So what happens is that when you're when you're clapping onto the ball, think of a little kid, and when you throw a ball to a little kid, they'll often like wildly bring yeah. their hands together yeah, and, try and yeah. clap to catch it. And it usually goes through their hands, bounces <laughs> off their forehead, and they either giggle or cry depending they, on how and hard they're the going to cry is. to mom if they're like my wuss little son out here. That- <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. that's that kind of thing that happens, you know? So what happens is that when players are unprepared for the moment, they default to what we all defaulted to when we were little kids. They clap because they don't have their hands out. So Olave, a lot of times is there's, Targets where either he's not sure of whether to use the underhand with the pinkies together. You mean Olave or Wilson? Not not Wilson. Excuse Wilson. me. Oh, yes, okay. thank you, Wilson. Wilson doesn't whether he's underhand with the pinkies together or overhand with the with that. He'll either he'll try and clap onto it, or he can't get his hands together to extend for it fully, and as a result, he's late trying to clap. And when you're trying to coordinate your hands coming together on the ball as opposed to already meeting it. It's just a harder 
um, target to catch, especially when a defender is going to hit you or they're trying to, you know, you're negotiating your position with that defender. And that's what happens with Wilson. And so what ends up happening is that he claps onto it. And then if he makes the catch, even still, he's still so concentrated on making that catch with the more difficult technique that the ball kind of is out away from his frame and he doesn't retract it enough time. He looks like someone who successfully did a math problem that they weren't sure they were going to get the right answer to. <laughs> and, and they're holding it out there. And then I'm thinking a defender's going to, in the NFL, is going to swat that thing away more often than what he's experiencing now. It doesn't mean he's going to drop a ton of passes, but it's a higher risk quotient to where – if you're gonna, if you see him drop passes that he normally made in the Big Ten, it's gonna be because of that type of thing. Cortland Sutton went through the same type of thing. Dante Deontay Johnson went through it for a while, and it's just one of those things that it just it just slows him down from on the track of him meeting his physical potential and some of the things that he showed on tape that could make him a star. So that's the thing with the 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 clap catching, and you'll see that clap type of catching with a lot of young players entering the league until they really work on it on their own to get that technique refined. Well, and with Wilson too, just one other thing I'd notice is like, you know, if you see his route running or is it that we were there at the combine watching the receiver drills and, and Lucas oil. And I noticed that even in the gauntlet drill, it's like Wilson can, he's so twitchy. He could be a little bit like unwieldy with his locomotion. You know, I think that there's a lot of that whole kind of stuff to his game. And I think what a lot of people say is like, look, he's so twitched up. It's like, look at the, look, there's so much promise there. Um, but I, I, I think that that really sheds a good light on, on, as far as the pans issue and it's kind of this it's kind of maybe a little bit of the same issue it's, it's just a little bit of uh because it, it, it isn't a lack of coordination it's almost just like he's almost too too twitched up right? yeah, it's like, playing it's playing out of control in a sense uh, it's like it's like everything's right. high-end athletic mm-hmm. think of like Kenyon drake when he came out of alabama as a runner like everything was jump cuts everything was like this very elongated like athletic display and then he went to Miami and he'd find himself jump cutting into the backside of his own lineman trying to avoid penetration and knock himself down because he hit his head head first into the butt of, of his blocker. Right. And he did that repeatedly in games because he didn't know how to move efficiently. Frank Gore, on the other hand, who lost two ACLs before he even made it to the NFL and became the annoying fantasy player at the end of his career right. who, you know, who annoyed fantasy people sure. and probably sports betters, but he was the most efficient runner. He was so efficient. He knew how to move with just small movements to make things work. And that's the difference between Olave and Wilson is that Wilson's the dynamic guy that when you look at the highlights, you're like, wow, few people can do that. But really Fewer people can do the highly efficient thing that's under control and then also do the um, the highly athletic thing. And Olave can do both, whereas Wilson only does one a little bit. He leans on the athletic ability right now. And in the NFL, you really have to refine it because you're going to start to face athletes who are just as good as you in the NFL. Yeah, like the like the economy or like the efficiency of motion meets 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 explosion is is kind of the Chris Olave thing. Yeah. Um, 
so what about what? So all right, so those guys are two at the very top. Are you in on Traylon Burks? Did, did his four five five at the combine do anything to you? Was that? Um, and then you know he's just getting all the he's getting all the compare. Everybody wants to compare everybody to Debo Samuel now, as if everybody could be Debo. <laughs> I, I I had Kyle Krabs on here, and he thought that 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 whole thing was just so so disrespectful to Debo Samuel, just to think that anybody could kind of come in and be that guy. Uh, you've heard that you've you've heard AJ Brown tossed around in regards to Traylon Burks. Is that anything that you've seen? Are you into Traylon? What do you think about uh, what do you think about Traylon Burks out of Arkansas? I'm into the idea that Traylon Burks can be a good, productive wide receiver in the NFL with the right fit. But on in terms of my rankings, he's he's a contributor level player, meaning that if you put him on a field today, he can get you production in the right offense. But the guy I comp him to isn't. You know, I've joked that his uh, th- that you could just call him Debo Patterson or Cordero Samuel mm. in the way that people are talking about him. But I'm right. more with Kyle in the sense that it, how many teams have Trent Williams, Kyle Juszczyk, and George Kittle to clear the way for mm, you? Yeah, right. You know, Miami's mm. probably doesn't even have that. Even with Teron Armstead, they still need a tight end and a fullback to to execute what they're doing. And I, I don't think Tyree Kill or Jalen Wild are going to be blocking for you on the outside at the level Debo Samuel can. <laughs> so there's still some things missing, even if he winds up there. But Traylon Burks, to me, is much more Kenny Galladay than he is these other guys, which is a player that if you put him in the middle of the field, you match him up against nickel corners where his size and height and and um, build-up speed are an advantage, he can win there, or against safeties where he can outrun them. Um, but I see him more that way, whereas you think about Kenny, Kenny Galladay in Detroit, he had you know Golden Tate on one side, Marvin Jones on the other. Those guys occupied top corners, and he got – plum matchups mm-hmm. i think that that's what's going to take for Traylon burks because my biggest concern for him is that while debo samuel also had trouble with press coverage early in his career um he was better at it than Traylon burks is like to me burks gets flummoxed if he can't be the hammer um and if you plant a guy if you plant a defensive back on a slant route where he wants to break on the slant and off coverage he doesn't know what to do other than try and run through the guy. And then he winds up in a situation where the quarterback's like, you're my first read. You can't figure out how to get off the press. I got to go to somebody else now, or you're my second read, you know, off, or maybe the first read off of a design kind of look off. And, and it's really designed just for you. And you're not open because you can't get the, you know, you can't get around the guy in an efficient manner. And so he can catch well, you know, I think his uh, he's improved in his ability to go up and get the ball, but and he has the skills to develop as a press player in terms of the footwork, the the quickness, the hand usage, all those things I think can come together. But it's going to take him a little bit of time. But he's not as quick, not as fast um, as as Debo Samuel, and I don't think he's the route runner Debo Samuel is either. I, so that's why I look at all of that and I think Kenny Galladay, a guy who wins on his physical skills and and wins best when there's better receivers technically around him to draw away the top cover corners. So so we have we have Matt Waldman saying he's he's probably a little higher than consensus on Olave, maybe a little lower consensus on Garrett Wilson, maybe a little lower than consensus 
on Traylon Burks. And there's a million of these guys that you can find in the rookie scouting portfolio available at mattwaldman.com. He's practically giving this thing away, even with the inflation, the way it is, man, this thing is still 2195 and you, and you get, and, and you get, you get not only the, just everything with all the player, like, I don't even, how, how many words and pages is like, how, like how many words is that thing? <laughs> I, I don't even want to. I don't ask. even want to count, yeah, but it's no, it's I mean, a it's a thousand. You know, it's one thousand fourteen pages this year. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a hundred and hundred and fifty eight yeah. prospects, and okay. I'm devoting that much. Yeah, it's it's yeah. amazingly in depth. So 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 clearly, there's a lot that we're not going to get to here. But so if you if if, if, if if you want to get it, make sure to go to mattwaldman.com, pick up the rookie scouting portfolio. This thing has been a a, 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 a staple as far as dynasty leagues, debut leagues, and for your redraft leagues and stuff. Because post draft, that price also includes the um, the update wherever Matt goes in and says, you know, here's the landing spot. Here are the you know, this is how it looks now because the available targets, yada yada yada. You get all that insight from him as well as also getting the newsletter. That's the rookie scouting portfolio over at mattwaldman.com. Again, it's a great way to support Matt and to support just a truly special member of our fantasy football community. And so we'd ask you guys to mobilize unite. Go get that done over there at mattwaldman.com. Um, all right. So let's see here. So I'm not saying you don't like those guys. I'm just saying as far as the consensus, like we said, sure. you, you, you come out, you got, you have the earmuffs over your ears until, uh, it's, 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 until this thing's out into the world. I'm wondering like, so who, like, I'm wondering who else you love besides like, do you, I mean, are you into, are you, are you into Jahan Dotson maybe? Are you into, uh, are you into George Pickens? Uh, what do you, what, what do you think about some of these guys? And then I, I'd also like to, maybe if I could just throw a, kind of a three pack out at you, um, it, maybe hear about Jamison Williams. If, 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 sure. if, you, if, if you're into him or whether you, uh, whether you think, you know, what people are saying about him is, you know, if he would have been able to test, maybe on that new fast track in Indy, he would have been the one that wowed everybody with his speed. Yeah, without a doubt. So um, let's start with John Dotson. Um, I like him. I think he has, you know, I think at very least you can start him out in the slot and I think get a lot of good work out of him that way with that quickness. He's a good route runner. He's very skilled in the sense that he understands who he is as an athlete and when to get out of the way of defenders as he makes the catch. He's He's got that kind of, you know, he's in the 170s range. So I don't mind a receiver who gets open, makes the catch, and just drops to the ground there in that case um, because he's going to get open a lot for you. And he, he has a really good feel of how to set up defenders, and he can win on the outside because of his speed and his route running ability. He has a few little issues with his hands that with tracking some of these targets in the middle of the field where he can be a little late to get his hands out to catch the ball and he winds up having to catch it too far into his body or even like over his head or behind his head on certain routes, but they're very isolated types of things that he'll be able to clean up, but he's a savvy player. And he reminds me a little bit of like T Y Hilton. When you take T Y Hilton and put him early in his career in the middle of the field, he was very helpful. And then he uh, gradually worked his way to the outside and became a fine outside receiver for a guy his size. I think Jahan Dotson has a little bit of that to his game. Pickens I wanted to really love, and I only like. Um, so he, I have him a little bit higher than Traylon Burks on my board. Um, the thing with him, too, is he does a great job of being able to 
use his hand-eye coordination to make circus-style catches. But when you take a closer look at his game, you discovered that some of those circus-style catches should have been what I'd call accountant-style catches, meaning that they're not all that exciting. He yeah. should have made them a far less boring. They sh- he should have made them far more boring than they actually were. Um, because when you go up for a when you go up for some of these contested targets, what you want to see is a receiver jump straight up into the air, especially on you know back shoulder fades and on any type of underthrown ball where he. They make the posi- they get position early and make that jump early enough so that they can go straight in the air and catch at their highest point, and their back is then to the defender. Pickens, like a lot of guys who are younger, Colin Johnson was a good example of this at Texas. Um, they kind of make this jump and go backwards because mm-hmm. they jump late, and as yep. a result – their chest <laughs> gets exposed to the defenders. Matt, 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 Matt knows just what he's talking about when he's whipping out this Colin Johnson. I, I saw that in practice every time, man. It's yeah. Like, it, it's a, it's a, it, it was, it was a waste. It, it, who, who was the app state kid? Who was the C- Brian quick. You know, yes. Brian quick was another guy like that. Exactly. And that's a great, that's a great reference. Brian quick. So, and and that's the thing. I mean, you know, that it looks pretty if you're diving off a diving board, but when you <laughs> but when you got a defender at your back and you've opened up your chest to him, you've made your life harder. And Pickens makes his life harder in a lot of ways, off press, in body positioning, where he has to work harder than he should. I think he has he's earned a grade where I think he can contribute early on, but he's not in that top tier for me because he has a lot of little things to learn that when you're young, this is the element that we don't see a lot. We only hear about, which is when you're a young guy and you're, you know, early to mid twenties, you're still figuring things out. You're still figuring the world out. And now you're getting thrown a lot of cash and a lot of fame okay. and a, a lot of high pressure. And do you know how to work? Do you know how to, to, to work smart? Do you know who to seek out to learn these things? Or are you going to have a immediate success, get a chance to enjoy the fruits of that success early on and think you've got it figured out then suddenly defenses have figured you out and you and you haven't been applying yourself in a steady fashion to continue to develop these tools. And that's where I think George Pickens is at is like he could be a star, but he's going to have to show all these things I mentioned for him to get there. And that's the question mark. Did did the eight and three or did, did the sub nine inch hands bother you at the comp? Was that anything that bothered you or was that just kind of just come? Kind of throwaway sort of. Yeah, sort of kind of, that, kind of, yeah, kind of a throwaway for me, as long as the hands techniques are good. And after, you know, listen, if you watch, you know, if you see some of those catches he made in Georgia practices yeah, um, yeah. Then early in his career, you can put the pen down on whether or not that's going to be an issue. What, so, what, what about, what about Jamison Williams? I, he's my number three receiver on the board. I'm a, okay. I'm a big fan of Williamson or Williams. I think that, he, I think the idea that he compares to Jalen Waddle is it's still a bit of an aspirational comparison in my book because my two highest graded receivers ever now are Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle. They were one two for me, um, but of all time in the RSP, at least in the what I'd call my modern era of scoring. I'll put so it so basically you've had a you've had a scoring system that's been that's been. Um, tweaked over the years but over the course of the last whatever how many years yeah like ever since it's tweaked to the way that you're using it right now those are the two highest yes exactly okay yeah so so williams is williams is has a nice grade it's a star immediate starter grade once he gets healthy 
Um, and I love the way that he attacks downhill as a runner. Um, I think that, you know, he does a strong job in terms of, you know, with the routes that he does run, he runs very well. Um, and he tries I, to kill him. He tries to get himself killed as a run blocker. It's yes. like, you're like, come on, dude, go, go easy. You're gonna get yourself hurt. Man. Yeah. 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 He can be a little aggressive there. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. But yeah, but he, yeah, I'm a big fan of what Williams has to offer. And I think that, you know, on the high side, certainly you would say Jalen Waddle is that guy, but um, in terms of talent, but you know, another guy, who, who comes to mind is Deshaun Jackson. And from a fantasy perspective, mm-hmm. as I was joking recently, that if you have a memory of more than three years in the fantasy space, which a lot of people don't, um, if you count up the number of um, times a receiver has had a top 12 wide receiver one season for fantasy, um, it's a small list of receivers over the past 14 to 16 years. And the two guys at the top are Julio and Deshaun Jackson. And people forget that about Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. He's had you, you think, oh well, you know, he's always gotten hurt in recent years, but he's had more wide receiver one seasons than more. I think he's one of the top two, if not top three, out of like maybe ten that I looked at over the past 15, 16 years. And the number that he had, you look at and you go, wow, most receivers who hit wide receiver one only do it two or three times in a long career. And then you realize, huh. Maybe I should be looking at guys who are consistent, you know, in some level. So, Jack, you know, the fact that Jamison Williams kind of fits in that that area of a guy like Jackson or like Waddle, who they Javon, you know, they Jarvis Landry'd him in, in Miami this year mm-hmm. out of need. And you didn't even get to see him be what he really is. You know, and he did it anyway. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we could talk for years about how awesome Jalen Waddle is, and t- <laughs> I mean, yeah. But um, the uh, the so, and I'm I'm mindful of your time, Matt, and I want to get onto some of these running backs. But before I do, I just got to ask, like, what um, what wide receiver have we not have I not thrown out at you here? I've kind of thrown out some of the ones. Basically, I've thrown out out at you my top uh, six. <laughs> I mean, okay. so so like, who who is it that I haven't mentioned that you're much higher on than maybe me or maybe can consensus is there anybody who is there anybody who you just who you uh who we haven't mentioned who you really love i'll give you some quick hits in my top six that we didn't mention okay um drake london listen i know that speedsters get the top Uh, billing uh, let me just let let me just say this about okay drake drake london the only reason he's not in the top six that i'm showing right now is because the model is still waiting for his 40 time he he was he was supposed to run his 40 today and they pushed back his pro day to april okay. 15th now so i think drake london probably he'll he'll he'll, he'll surely be in the top six i didn't want sure. people to think that he's outside of my top six and i think that makes perfect sense so yeah i mean for me london you know speedsters get that top billing with their draft capital even in the nfl you know you think of henry ruggs you think of a lot of players like that um but london was a guy that you know, he could be that top hybrid outside inside guy. You think of Juju Smith Schuster, you think of T. Higgins, Michael Pittman to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's more T. Higgins than Michael Pittman. I think he's a, you know, the way that he can go up and win the ball, he's very tough at the catch point. I think he runs good routes for his size. Um, and he's a rugged player. So I like him. Um, Justin Ross, listen, Woo. listen, I I am in on Justin Ross. And the the reason, and I watched a ton of him 
And Nick Martin, who's a Steelers guy, wrote me a while back, and I put this in the RSP. And he said, I think Justin Ross could be the Nick Chubb of the wide receivers of this class. And and I love that comparison because, you know, I was a big Nick Chubb You're fan. You're a big Nick Chubb dude. Yeah. yeah. But, but the thing is, is I because he saw one of my film rooms on Ross, and I thought, I don't see major differences pre- and post-injury from the neck in issue. And if he's mm-hmm. cleared for that, I was okay. The only issues I saw – and then I found out later why I saw them was that he just seemed not very explosive in and out of some cuts and out of some breaks after he came back from the injury. He seemed to slip a little bit or not be able to get around defenders in a way that just didn't look very explosive. And then we come to find out he played all year on a Jones fracture, which yep. is that bone on the, you know, the, your pinky toe all the way up and down your foot to, you know, your toe to your heel. And so he's been getting shot up all year long. And so then, you know, Watched the film, saw a lot of really strong stuff as a route runner um, in terms of positioning, in terms of what he could do after the catch before the injury. And I felt like that it was just the quarterback difference that was really a big issue with him, you know, this past year. But when you watch, when you look at it, you go, well, how long does the injury take to heal? Well, if you don't further screw it up all year long, it takes six to eight weeks to heal. So the, and the and the what they do to heal it after the surgery is you have to be immobilized for six to eight weeks. So I'm sure he was maybe doing some water workouts or riding a bike, but you know that that hard kind of pounding that you have to do as a, a route running receiver and a sprinter, none of that was going on from like late November until mid January, and then that meant he had six weeks after being immobile to get ready for the combine. So if he ran a four, five, six and jumped 31 and a half inches six weeks after playing through a Jones fracture, I asked somebody I knew in the league who's a biomechanics expert and just said, listen, man, this is my theory. What do you, what is it valid or am I just blowing smoke? And he said, I'm very surprised that Justin Ross is even remotely running a four, five, six, or jumping 31 and a half inches after an injury like that. Um, it takes a long time to heal from that. And the fact that he did that, um, yeah, there's some smoke to that fire, you know, that, that could be there. So I'm betting that we're going to find some teams going to draft him and they either know that or they're going to hope for that. And by August, we're going to be hearing about he's much more explosive than we thought he was. So him and Christian Watson are high on my board. Watson is that highly athletic guy with a lot of upside down. And I like Alex Pierce. I think Alec Pierce is a, is a fun one too. And I'll add Kashil, um, you know, Khalil Shakir yeah. as a guy that kind of gives me that Don, Dante, Deontay Johnson kind of vibe um, in terms of what he could become some catch issues that are a little bit of an issue. And I'm, and I'm just going to say this. I'm rooting for David Bell because I always like exceptions to the rule from the athletic standpoint. If he was just a little more athletic, he's kind of like the Devin Singletary of running backs. You know, it's like slow, not fast enough, not quick enough, but all he does is play great football. And I'm hoping that he can make that transition. Yeah, for sure. And I, the, the Justin Ross stuff, I wasn't expecting that from a million miles out, but that's why. Uh, and th- But here's the thing. It's like, if that does happen, like you said, Matt, and we get to training camp and people are saying like, he's more explosive than any of us knew and stuff like that. Other, other people might just look back and say like, well, you could have gone back and looked at his freshman tape. You could have you you could have just gone back and looked and seen that he was basically this the the sensation of all of college football. Like 
you know, and, and then like and then like you said, if you didn't see the technical stuff that was coming up between the neck injury, that was what made him need to almost consider retiring football. Right. Like yeah. he, there was a while where he thought he wasn't going to even play football anymore. So um, if, if you didn't see anything after that, that was the major injury. If he's cleared from that, you know, the other injury, you can recover from it. But just as you're playing through it. I mean, just imagine cutting off of that outside part. You, you have a stress fracture on the outside part of your foot. Imagine cutting off that. You're yeah, not speed breaks, hard yeah, breaks. Oh, imagine. You know, any yeah. lateral cut that you would make in the open field, and by you know by halftime that th- that Toradol shot wore off. Oh yeah. yeah. So so you're gonna find out a lot more about these guys in the rookie scouting portfolio. We have two two asks of Roster Watch Nation here. Please go to mattwaldman.com, download the uh, rookie scouting portfolio, and get uh, set up there. You're going to get everything emailed to you as far as these updates, as far as the newsletter, et cetera. And you're going to be able to hear about all the wide receivers that we didn't talk about. Also, we got to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Underdog. So when we talk about Underdog Fantasy, we say that the NFL draft season is underway. It might not be NFL season, but the draft season is underway. And you can already draft in 2022 uh, fantasy leagues on Underdog Fantasy to win cash prizes. So through their slick mobile app and user-friendly site, you can join a league and draft a team in minutes. Plus, the folks at Underdog are going to help you get started with a deposit match of $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit with promo code ROSTER. So just visit Underdog Fantasy in the App Store, the Google Play Store, wherever. Sign up with the code ROSTER and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code ROSTER. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. All right, Matt. Running backs. Yeah. This is where we're going to make our money in underdog fantasy is drafting these guys where they're going in the, you know, some of these guys are free at the very end of drafts. And I'd just like to hear from you quickly as, a, you know, as, a, as, as, as I mentioned, I'm very mindful of, 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 of your time. But if, if, there's a, if there is a way that you can describe the class as a whole as far as these running backs – can you give a description? Just give kind of a give your sort of lay of the land because to me, when I talk about it, I feel like it lack, might lack a little bit of sizzle right at the very top, but it feels like it's pretty deep with guys that could be good players. What do you think? How do you see the the, the general lay of the land? I think this is an underratedly strong class in a market where the demand for the running back position is low right now. And so these are there's a lot of guys who, you know, at first they might get labeled reserves or backups because that's how they start off due to their draft capital early on and then emerge due to injury. And everybody's like, who was this guy on our roster? How did he – he's better than we thought when actually they were good in the first place. But there's a – it's a fun cross-section because you have you have some bruisers in this group, you know, guys who can really run through contact. Um, and then you also have some players who are um, some classic scat backs, maybe with a little more Austin Eckler-like upside if things were to work out. I don't think they're going to be that good. But, you know, it, along that aspirational line – and then you have a couple of, you know, I think you have three to four guys in this class who really are not completely developed, but could wind up developing on a level that they could be every bit as productive as the top three to four guys in this group. 
All right. So whenever we talk about the, the, the at the very top, there's been some there's been some discussion, at least in the dynasty space about running back one. And it feels like at this point in time, after Isaiah Spiller's pro day and after some of his jumps and the uh, bad broad jump, bad vertical, bad 40 time, you know, is he hurt? Trash man swears by it. He was there at the pro day. He's, he thinks he's hurt. Um, but it feels like Brees Hall and Kenny Walker at least is sort of the chalk at the very top. I'm just wondering your sort of thoughts on those guys, if you consider those guys at the top, and if you prefer one or the other, and maybe just your your general book on those two is they feel like they're going to be, uh, you know, important parts, certainly key parts and integral parts of dynasty rookie drafts. But then also once we figure out these teams, guys that could uh, people could be taking interest in in, in redraft just because they've, they've generated so much buzz through this important part of the NFL news cycle. No doubt. And I have Hall and Walker one, two, and there's not much separating the two. Um, I think that Hall is the more, how would I put it? He, he has the higher ceiling in terms of some of the things that he's capable of doing. Um, I think his, his short area burst, can be special at times. There's there's a bit of that kind of ability to to teleport past a linebacker in the hole who has the angle on him, and you know from a stop start type of position that is really special. And he he has good hands that can get better. Um, his blocking is kind of more um, Jonathan Taylor esque, the way Jonathan Taylor was at mm-hmm. um, at Wisconsin, which was artful dodger as opposed to <laughs> actually uh like putting in the work but taylor fixed that and most running backs do who who are at that level um so i think hall will as well he makes everything look easy and that's the thing about him that is kind of scary because he's a glider who with that burst who it's interesting when you watch hall play there's moments where and when he makes a mistake and he gets kind of angry and becomes a little more determined almost it, you see moments of him where you're going, nobody's going to bring that guy down. You know, he'll run through three or four people, but he's just, he has an all around game, makes it look easy. And, you know, even his recruiters, as Chad Ryder mentioned to me when we were having a conversation a few months ago, his recruiters, he hadn't gotten a scholarship and the recruiters saw him and were like, who is this guy? It just looks mm-hmm. too easy. Maybe we shouldn't sign and sign him. And then they were like, what are we even thinking? You know, and and right. of, and they did, of course, and the rest is history. Walker, Walker, to me feels safer, and I can't explain to you why he feels safer. Well, he just he, he just he, to me he just looks like a better, pure, natural runner of the football. Yeah. I, I mean, it's that's that's my kind of troglodyte caveman way of saying it. But, yeah, but I, I think, I'm sure I'm sure that you have. I'm sure you know, oh, it's a good it's a good answer, and yeah. he reminds me of J.K. Dobbins and Ray Rice. If you look at that. Ooh, in like terms that. of size, in terms of the quickness, the patience level, they have the speed. He's smart. He can play in any scheme. Whereas I think Hall can give you zone and gap, but Walker can give you duo. And duo is mm-hmm. a tough screen scheme to run because it's such a tight crease scheme. Um, but he catches the ball well in terms of hand-eye coordination. And his blocking will get better. I mean, he he picks up blitzes inside well the multiple blitzes that come that try to confuse backs that's where he gets confused a little bit here and there but overall both those backs um i i would be very happy taking at the top of my board and be excited about them being able to deliver 
for an NFL team is no worse than a lead option by the end of this year and probably the the feature back within a year or two. Yeah, it, Walker is just – I mean, like you mentioned, I, I'm, I'm wondering um, if you think that – because when we look at – whenever we look at these Big Ten kind of volume – volume backs right i i kind of i i went back and looked at melvin i just i I wanted to go back and look at melvin gordon and just kind of kind of see because i remember there being this hit on him that they weren't sure that he was going to be able to be used on receiving downs because they were worried about his pass protection and he was just this volume guy that was an in-between the tackles runner and he's a good natural runner and stuff but his pass pro is bad is he gonna be able to be used on passing downs then he gets to the nfl and it turns out it becomes like a strength, like Melvin Gordon for a good number of years. Like it was a real strength of his game in fantasy, how much he was used in the passing game. Like, do, do you, so is the pass pro stuff that like, from what you've watched about the pass pro stuff, how bad was it? And is it, I mean, is it, is it fixable? How long does it take to fix? Is this, was this a one training camp fix? Is it a, do you think it even needs that? Kind of, like, do you even classify it as being as bad as some people talk about? And, no. and okay, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't classify it as bad. I think there's, it's actually promising from what I saw because what I'm looking for is the ability to set up in a balanced position, deliver a strike, and be able to control the defender at least long enough with your position and with where your hands are positioned and do it in a way where you're not leaning forward and leading with your head and get knocked off balance. And Walker shows all that. And he shows the basic diagnostic skills that I'm looking for and the things that are more advanced take about a season to, to learn, because again, you're going to have more advanced types of coverage and blitz looks that you're going to face in the NFL. And he has to be on the same page with his linemen and the different adjustments that are going on and the different audibles and things. That's what causes the problems is the diagnostic end that they have to just acclimate to. And I think it takes about a year usually with most players. I think Walker will be just fine in that regard. Um, I don't really have an issue with him as a, as a pass blocker. And with the receiving game, with the volume guys, I've been like, I remember – I'm more of a put the pen down guy, as Mark Schofield would say, um, you know, over at USA Today Wire um, that or USA TD Wire, excuse me, is that, um, you know, if you see a running back show good hand eye coordination um, and they aren't an absolute liability as a route runner where they like stumble out of breaks and they can't keep their balance, um, That's good enough. So when I watch guys like Leonard Fournette and Melvin Gordon, I had high marks for them as potential receivers or higher than the average because I saw them make plays where they showed they could track the ball in an advanced level or make Mm -hmm. catches against contact, even if it was one or two catches, because it was enough. If you saw enough of the right things, you could put the pen down and say, we're good. And I think Kenneth Walker has that. Right. Good, good. I, I I love it. One other thing I just – as long as I'm talking about Kenneth Walker, I, I want to give a shout-out to this dude on Twitter, line at Lineups and Chill. Uh, his name is James Garrard. We were talking earlier about, you know, just the size, 211. Is that going to be big enough to hold up? He, he tweeted back this uh, – chart of the no it's funny you mentioned the number of kind of wide receiver one finishes for uh certain certain um players well this guy tweeted back at us the number of top 12 i guess rb1 finishes for guys who he sorted in his excel spreadsheet um for i guess going back to uh let's see some basic filters is what he came up with 220 so clinton portis had six top 12 finishes chris johnson had six Lashawn mccoy had six jamal charles had five 
your guys, Maurice Jones, Drew, and Ray Rice, who you compared Kenneth Walker to, uh, had four and three. Aaron Jones has had three. Christian McCaffrey's had three. Devontae Freeman had three. So 211 pounds is not something that's going to keep you from being able to be a, be a, a high-level spot. Yeah. It's still in the sweet spot. For me, anything between – depending on this compensatory factors of speed and quickness, 205 is maybe the lowest end for me. And then, you know, you're talking about 235 probably being the highest end. But to me, the sweet spot is literally 210 to 225. If you're in that range, I'm good with you, especially if you're shorter. If you're shorter, if you're like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, and you're 210, 211, you're, you know, if you were 5', you know, that's a pretty good size. I would say, you know, you're just short. You're not small. Let me toss another three pack here at you, just to guys that I'm kind of uh, guys, guys, guys that I'm just interested to hear you talk about. Uh, you can you can talk about them in any order that you would like, but I would like to hear what you have to say about Isaiah Spiller, uh, what you have to say about James Cook, and then my my general hobby horse here. I I, I want to know what everybody has to say about Damian Pierce um, after after getting to watch him at the Senior Bowl. So if you have if if you have thoughts about those three in any order, man, I'd just love to hear what what Matt Waldman's book on those guys says. Spiller Spiller grew on me when I first watched him. I saw some issues like his pads weren't aligned with his hips and he'd get knocked backwards after having a running start into a defensive back. And that kind of scared me. And then I'd see him make some really fundamental mistakes with pull with how to follow and set up a pulling block on counter where I just go, what are you doing? Like, you know, my buddy Jay Moyer, who used to write for me, who's a running who's great on Twitter and does a, Mm -hmm. um, you know, was a running game coach for high schools out in the Bay area would say, you know, I'd bench a kid temporarily for some of the mistakes he made, but here's the thing. He's worked on his footwork for a very long time and he's very proficient with a lot of solutions with that. The, I think he's a, a very good outside zone runner. I think that he can be, or can become one. I think most of his gaps game skills are good. He just has to, understand that he's not going to out athlete people anymore that he has to use that footwork to his advantage and and bounce plays inside and set them up set up blocks the way he needs to rather than take try and take the easy let me outrun people to the to the edge but i like him i would say his i he, i think of ryan matthews at his best hmm, um I like and that, yeah. and and i or deuce McAllister if he like really blows out of the box and he's much faster than what the times show I think he fits in that range of type of player um, where I think the refined footwork, even if he is as slow as it looked and lacked the explosion that it showed and it wasn't an injury, he's still quick enough. He's still refined enough in what he can do that I like him. Um, so he's third on my board, and and I wasn't sure he was going to be that high, but he wound up that way. Um, then you had, let's see, you asked me about, um, Pierce, Pierce, and, and then uh, I, uh, I hear you. Pierce and James Cook. Yeah, yeah, James Cook. James Cook is probably the most intriguing running back in this class, just from the standpoint of you watch certain plays and you see a little bit of Chris Johnson in him, where he can really bend around and make hard cuts and get away from defenders in tight space and get downhill and set up his blocks in ways that you're like. Maybe he can subsist inside the tackles. He's not as rugged as Chris Johnson, not remotely, but he has the movement skills that are very strong. 
Um, obviously, he's a tough receiver. He can make catches over the middle and take hits, and he can win deep for you. And he has the acceleration you're looking for to be, make, to be able to make big plays. I, I don't have him ranked high enough to say that he is, you, you know, a legit, you know, starting back in this league early on in his career. But he's, again, in that contributor level where I'd say if Naeem Hines – you know, you saw Naeem Hines at it, at, with the Colts, and when he gets on the field, he can be a very um, dangerous part of an offense and be helpful. I think he's better than Naeem Hines, but I, I've got him somewhere like if Chris Johnson is like everything goes unbelievable for him, mm-hmm. you know, I don't even see he, him getting there. He'd still be looking up at Chris Johnson, but maybe he could get close to Eric Metcalf when Merrick Metcalf back in the day with the Browns was the way he was. So I think he's kind of an aspiring Eric Metcalf in that sense. Um, But um, you know, for me, he's more of a contributor than he is a starter. And Pierce is so much fun to watch any dude who, you know, is as rough and tumble as he is. And he, he has some of the best hand-eye coordination as a pass catcher in this class. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can throw him, contested targets and he'll win them and as a blocker he's a rugged blocker um i want to see him learn to block without leading with his head and trying to blow people up the way you know and leave his feet to do it but the skills are there for him to get there um the running is very sharp like he makes sharp transitional cuts downhill from an outside approach to a downhill approach he he understands how to use his pads his obviously his burst and was better than i think people may have expected who were down on him a bit, but the, but the speed is good enough. I think, I still think he's a little bit of a higher floor, lower ceiling prospect from my taste. Um, but again, I have him still at a level where I think he will come in, be a good contributor early and have a shot to be the lead back in a committee, if not the starter. And when I think of a player that he compares to um, maybe not quite as explosive but Marion Barber, I think of Marion Barber. And, Mine is Darius Geis. It's kind of similar players. Similar players, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. And and so, like, if Carlos Hyde's on the low end, I think he's a little better than what Carlos Hyde has shown. And Carlos Hyde showed some pretty good stuff when early oh, yeah. on in his career. Oh, yeah. I think he can be around Carlos Hyde maybe a little better and then maybe get to Marion the Barbarian. We'll see. Yeah, Marion the Barbarian. Love it. All right. So I got, I'm got. i going to have one more question for you, Matt, and I'm going to ask you after I give this quick plug for MattWallman.com again. I'm just going to ask you, any running back we haven't talked about who you think we need to highlight, somebody you love, maybe an off-the-radar guy, whoever it is that you'd like to talk about going out. But before we do, just again, want to remind you guys to please go to MattWaldman.com. Uh, get the rookie scouting portfolio. You can get it. It's, it's just twenty one ninety five. I mean, if you, it's it's like the work that goes into this thing. He should be charging literally five times that, but he's charging twenty five twenty one ninety five to keep it affordable for anybody that wants it in the fantasy space. Also, over the course of the last decade, he's donated like fifty k to uh, what to in, ending ending child abuse and um, yeah darkness to light is the organization darkness to light so it, a lot of this stuff going to a good cause but the money going to Matt in itself is a good cause you're really truly helping to uh, support 
you know, Matt keeping the lights on and keep like, he's a resource that we need in the fantasy community. So please, please, please go there to mattwaldman.com, download the rookie scouting portfolio. Uh, also go to underdog fantasy, use that promo code roster, <laughs> help, 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 help keep the lights on here uh, around our house. All right. Uh, so with all that said, again, you can find him on Twitter at Matt Waldman, go give him a follow Matt. So just uh, heading out, let's talk about one of your, favorite rookie running backs, somebody that you're higher on than somebody else, anybody you, you'd like to highlight be, before we get out of here? Well, you know, I'd love to be able to go into depth the guys like Isaiah Pacheco and Keontae Ingram because I like a lot of their games. Mm-hmm. Um, but the guy who – the guy who just – he does it for me when I watch him play, and I and he had a better combine than I think a lot of people expected from him is Kennedy Brooks. Kennedy Brooks, to me, is the most patient runner in this class. He's the most subtle, conceptually skilled guy of the backs that I've seen. He he makes reads pre-snap that a lot of backs don't make. Like, he understands the box counts, looks at pre-snap and goes, this is where I'm going to have to cut it back. This is how I'm going to have to set it up. Um, and, and he does it extremely well. And I remember talking to DeMarco Murray when DeMarco Murray was at the Senior Bowl um, trying to get into the NFL. And DeMarco Murray is now, you know, coaching guys like Kennedy Brooks and Ramondre Stevenson and Eric Gray. And he's seen a lot of these backs. Trey Sermon, you know, saw a lot of these guys. And, you know, the way he liked to describe it was Kennedy Brooks was the type of guy that he was never impressive as an athlete. But he kept just somehow keeping his his position on the field as our starter because of how he played. And it's because the footwork, the diagnostic skill, the contact balance, the ability to avoid angles at the last minute with just the smallest move and and feel. And the fact that he ran a four five nine forty was a surprise. I think a lot of people were thinking he was like a four six five, four seven guy. Um and a four four twenty shuttle and seven three cone drill that's quick enough thirty six vertical all those things are good and at five eleven two oh nine listen he's kind of in that realm of you could say is he like a Bilal Powell a long term kind of like second or third back you know second back who could play on third downs but also help you out if you need him to run the ball on an every down basis or a James White who does everything really well enough but is like a dynamic um, outlet back, or does he have growth potential to get maybe another five to six pounds heavier? And with what he looks like right here and how well he plays, could he become a lead back in the league? I don't know. Like as, as my buddy Chad would say, he said, he's all, he's, you know, he's all juice, no squeeze in terms of his game because of the athletic component. But if there's a back that I would, if someone gave me money and said, you know what, you can't do anything with this but bet on something wild. And I would say the, the, the wild bet I would make, if, if there were a way to bet on it, I would say if there's a player who could become the next Terrell Davis type of player to come out of a draft class who would just like completely shock people because he doesn't look like anything special, but all he does is get yards and like and, and break plays that you wouldn't expect. Kennedy Brooks is just there's something there with that guy. I'm I'm fast. I, I hope that it happens for him because he's just in terms of what it takes right here to play the game. He has it. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.